Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that close tonight. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh. Down goes Duffy on Cole. Frank Mir does it again. Rock em, sock em, robots here. Oh my goodness. I believe There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull****. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. All right, here we go. Still in the United States of America, but not for long. It is Sunday, September 3rd. The year is 2023. It is episode 434 of the Anik and Florian podcast presented by DraftKings. Kind of like that Saturday UFC matinee, 3 p.m. main card. I've been doing a lot of cooking these days, so I'm in the kitchen cooking and watching this UFC fight night play out. Looks pretty raucous there in Paris, France. I, I don't traditionally have uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, but I was wishing I was in the building a little bit. I had no idea that John Anik was a chef. That's awesome, man. Um, I need to learn how to do that more. Uh, yeah, the, the crowd seemed amazing, man. I've never heard a crowd, like, cheer for a guy that's clinching with someone. I mean, that, that's how kind of behind their fighter they were, but... Uh, you know, from the first prelim to the last fight, man, they were in it. All right, a lot to get to today. This is one of two shows coming your way this week on the DraftKings Network and, of course, on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well. Clips can be accessed on the Anakin Florian podcast channel. We appreciate every last one of you for all the support. And you can vote for the show, by the way, to win the award for best MMA programming right now at WorldMMAAwards.com. We'll pay you, actually, for your votes. Before we get into uh, UFC Fight Night, Gone versus Spivak, and there were a lot of standout performances on the French side that we need to highlight. But there was a headline, Saudi Arabia acquires a minority stake in the PFL. And when I say Saudi Arabia, it's because it is this public investment fund that reportedly has spent $100 million to acquire this minority stake in the PFL. So immediately my thoughts as the president of Team Florian are, what are the ramifications for my guy, my boyfriend, Kenny Florian? And, and it looks like maybe Francis Ngannou and Jake Paul are going to be fighting in Saudi Arabia, which would mean wheels up for uh, for you. Yeah, that's right, man. Um, I, I think it's big, right? Anytime you get a, a big fund like that behind you to, you know, that, that not only believes in you, but are putting up the money uh, to, to back it up, I, I think it's a big thing, and it allows the PFL to be able to do that much more, whether it's acquiring more fighters, uh, going to more venues, um, and, and doing bigger things. So 
Um, I think it's a big step forward, man. So uh, that, was, that was a big announcement. And in terms of affording Kenny Florian long term, yeah, right? it's a big well, deal, I mean, man. You know, I need, I you know, I get ninety nine million of that. So of course, it, it's going to help me. No, I mean, again, if you, the 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 smartest move I think that you could probably make would be to bring me on uh, as somebody <laughs> who could represent you because. Uh, I just, you know, we, we need $225,000 to show up for these broadcasts for <laughs> now that Saudi Arabia is on board. But no, very yeah. cool thing. And, uh, you know, it is funny because there are conversations you have with spouses over the years, right? It's like, hey, Kenny, I just saw that Saudi Arabia uh, invested $100 million right. in PFL. Will we be seeing any of that money? <laughs> but of course, hopefully uh, the fighters will as well. All right. So let us get into Cyril Ghosn's master class. I think you can call it that. He gets Sergey Spivak out of there by TKO at 344 of round two. Historically speaking, the plus 98 significant strike differential, 109 to 11, the second largest in UFC heavyweight history behind only Tim Sylvia's plus 112 against old friend Wesley Cabbage Correa. Both of those fights ended in a round two stoppage. But I do think the numbers, Kenny, speak to just how dominant a performance this was. Cyril Ghosn is back in a big way and a great way to distance himself from that John Jones noise at UFC 285. Absolutely, man. I think that was huge. Uh, in regards to my prediction, nailed it. No, I, uh, I picked Spivak in that one because I figured, hey, listen, he's going to find a way to get on the inside. But I did note on the last podcast that if he wasn't able to bridge that gap, he would be in big trouble. And that's essentially what happened. Gon was able to dict that, dictate the range. He kept Spivak on the outside and Spivak looked absolutely lost on the outside man was getting picked apart really was just covering up in the like i'd say what a hundred percent of round two was essentially a heavy bag and, and i, I don't oh. want to be i don't want to be disrespectful but i he didn't throw really anything at all it was just gone just kind of running through his strikes just throwing different things and spivak just kind of covering up and not doing anything or not finding any type of solution to what was going on and you realize you know it's those kind of fights where you realize those large gaps between um you know some which are elite uh and then others that are just not and um i don't know and it can be frustrating at times when i hear you know even commentators or other people just be like hey listen let he needs fivok needs to get reckless here well it's like not really. You know, you, you never hear like, uh, I don't know, a Major League Baseball coach or something being like, well, you know, your fastball isn't working. The curveball isn't working. Just throw the damn thing <laughs> as fast as you can and just let's just see what happens. You know, you need something else, you know, besides just like covering up. You need something else besides just winging a punch blindly. And that's kind of what Spivak was doing out there. And it's just a reminder that mixed martial arts still has a long way to go. And the gaps between the elite and everybody else, I think are still huge. And you could see that, you know, those elite guys are just getting much, much better information and training than a lot of the other guys. And I think that's what we saw lacking out of Spivak and no disrespect to his camp and the guys that are around there, but you, you got to wonder what what was going on. Like you have to know that gone is, is such a master at establishing yeah. range. And if you can't get in there, man, you need something else besides just covering up. It's Spivak just didn't have it. And maybe that's just on Spivak alone. Maybe he just, 
you know, kind of panicked out there and didn't know what to do. Um, so I don't want to lev- levy the blame on, on, on his trainers and stuff like that. Cause there's a lot of factors that go into performances and things like that, but right. Gone looked phenomenal. Uh, and coming back off of that, you know, disaster against John Jones, you know, as far as Spivak being that grappler that could potentially have done the same thing. I think he answered a lot of questions, which was great for him and his team. Analytically, oftentimes we find ourselves trying to assess the winning fighter and also the losing fighter's role in how to quantify just how good a performance was. And I agree with everything out of your mouth, as is often the case. And I think the Spivak side of this is that we thought we had this budding heavyweight contender that really was going to be able to dictate at times where maybe this fight took place. And he is not at all that guy and not at all ready for primetime right now, with all due respect. Mm -hmm. And so then the question does beckons, why was he capable of this no-show at a stage of his career when we thought he could take that requisite next step? And I think there's some blame to go around. I do think the larger story is Cito Gan, and he may not have that Francis Ngannou death-touch, one-punch knockout power, but I kind of think he does, man. Like, I kind of think he does. He has big, heavy hands, and the consequences, I think, of getting hit by him were evidenced by Spivak's body language. You know, I just think that even though we see him as this you know, fleet of foot heavyweight striker, he still hits like a damn mule and Spivak wanted out of there and, and Goddard uh, thankfully got, got, got involved and, and, you know, showed him the door. I, I think that is a very astute uh, observation because I think that he can hit that hard. He chooses not to because he's more about volume and footwork and getting in and getting out and not taking any big shots from his heavyweight opponents. And I think that's critical to note. And I think that when he does see his opportunities to take his guys out, he will do that. He certainly has that power. He's got that athleticism. He's got that speed. He's got that power. But I think it's his style overall of being in and out and being elusive, which makes Cyril gone who he is. So um, I think maybe we will see that in the future, more of that. But it's it's him being careful and respectful of his opponents. He wants to hit and not get hit. So Kenny and I are going to start an MMA promotion one day, I think. We're pretty old, though, so maybe we won't. But it just dawned on me that we could have a pay structure whereby. And I think this would entice somebody like Cyril Gant, that you make more money the shorter your fight is. Because I do think if Cyril Gant was monetarily incentivized to get somebody like Sergei Spivak out of there in two minutes, he could probably be that guy. I think that's sort of a roundabout way of me trying to make the point about his his frightening power because yes, Jarzinho Rosenstrike, he is not, you know, because he doesn't have a little Joey around his mitts. He's a monster, right? Yes. Seattle gone, Tom Aspinall. I'm not even ready to spin this forward just yet, but it seems like that is going to be the fight wherever that would take place as a true heavyweight title eliminator. Pavlovich is the backup for John Jones and Steve Bay in November. We are in a good wow. place with this, uh, this UFC heavyweight division right now. Yeah, no question about it, man. Um, it, things just continue to get more interesting. And um, I, I think Gon just needs to continue to fill in those gaps with his grappling. If he's able to do that, not only will he just be a better overall fighter, but I think we're going to see even more confidence from him on the feet to let it rip when he wants to, because he's not going to be afraid of of being taken down. So uh, Cyril Gon it just has so much talent, man. To see what he's done in such a short amount of time is pretty remarkable. 
I do wonder about a Stipe matchup for Cirogan, right? But Stipe at this stage of his career is fighting once a year. And actually, it's been a couple years since he's fought. So I don't know that you're going to get that fight. Have we seen Cirogan and Curtis Blades? I don't necessarily believe we have uh, have seen no. that fight. I could be wrong. But Gon and Aspinall is absolutely fascinating. It really is. I think Tom Aspinall would be maybe the slightest of favorites. I could be wrong on that. But this was a real statement for Cito Gon and, <clears throat> excuse me, nice athletic sprawl. It just remains to be seen as to whether or not some of these guys are going to be able to get him down and, and keep him there. But uh, those who questioned, I think, whether or not he had the appetite for the hard work, I don't know that we have all our answers, but he got right back in the gym after that fight in March. And, uh, so it was a near-perfect performance, right? Yeah. I don't know that he had a scratch on him after the fact. So we congratulate the uh, the former interim champ and the now, once again, budding heavyweight contender. Bon gamas, it'll gone. All right, let us get to the co-headliner, Manol Fior over Rose Namajunas by unanimous decision. Manol Fior said after the fact that, that Rose is just not a flyweight, and I think there's a lot of truth in there. Namajunas did suffer a, a pretty debilitating finger injury to her pinky in round one. She came on strong in round three, but... All Manon Fior has done is win, and I don't know that she needs to fight Aaron Blanchfield. At this point in time, I think you have a number one flyweight contender, and Manon Fior continues to shine on on any stage they put her on. I agree, man. She's got the size. I think she has the mindset. I think she has the team behind her, and she certainly has the skills. I thought she started out the fight a little nervous, a little tight. After round one, I think she started to loosen up and then kind of start. I don't want to say she ran away with it, but she certainly looked to be in control after round one after that. And again, uh, unfortunate there for Rose and her injury, but um, she just couldn't get anything going. And she started very nervous as well, I think. And whether it's the long layoff or, you know, whatever battle she's dealing with, I think that. Uh, we've seen better from Rose from a technical standpoint. And I think that, um, again, a lot of that had to do with Fior's size, I think. I think her range, her power, um, just her overall presence in there, I think was throwing Rose off a little bit. Whether it was Rose trying to look for a takedown or a clinch, um, or whether it was her trying to look for any type of combination. She, she just never got into a rhythm in that fight. When Rose gets into a rhythm and she takes that driver driver's seat, um, you know, she, she's very difficult to stop, and she just never got in a groove. And a lot of that had to do with the length, the range uh, of, of Fjord and her ability to really take control. Did you get nervous before your Boston College soccer games? Yes. Yeah. That's and I don't know. Yeah. And I would imagine you were a big game player. I'm not asking about your fighting career because I always do. But this is hard to quantify, I guess. But I just feel like Manal Fior, whether it's fighting Caitlin Chukagian, as she's methodically built up, she's just a big game player. She rises to the occasion. She is that ultimate competitor. And uh, I'm really excited to see her in a championship setting. I don't believe to her point that she needs to fight Aaron Blanchfield at this point in time. She's the number one contender. We'll see if we get finality here in about 13 days with Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. But here's your number one flyweight contender. And uh, we're going to bring Longo into the conversation in about a minute. But this from at Baked Potato Zach on X. For anyone who would like to answer on the show, but specifically, John, do you think women's flyweight division has surpassed strawweight for the best women's division in MMA? Grasso, Blanchfield, Santos, Fior, 
And then you got a couple of seasoned goats. He writes in Valentina Shevchenko and Rose Namajunas if she stays at 125 pounds. I think it's an interesting conversation. You've heard me put over the strawweight division yeah. for years, and maybe 25 is not there, there yet, but I certainly think there's an argument to be made that the women's flyweight division, that was always sort of uh, the division that was crapped on, is certainly no longer that. All right. Best Thursday of the year is coming up. And it's all about NFL opening night. Maybe Longo will actually be watching this year. But football is back. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is hooking up new customers with a can't-miss offer to celebrate. Place your first $5 NFL bet and score 200 in bonus bets instantly. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers on the app can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this month of September. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to see what you get. And no need to wait until kickoff to get in on the hype. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, not now, but right now. Use code AFPOD. New customers get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5. That's code AFPOD. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, we now get to the star of the program, the on the mend, Ray Longo. Let's get to the minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt-sip smell routine or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. Oh, it is great to see Ray Longo. I've been calling Ray more than usual as he recovers from hip surgery, and he's been taking my phone calls, which we appreciate. But uh, with the in the nature of not burying the lead, how are we healing and how are we feeling, my man? I'll tell you, definitely better than the last time I spoke with you. So we're, we're, on, the, we're on the men. Mentally, I'm back. Uh, I'm walking, walking with a cane. So I got rid of the walk a couple of days ago, and I don't know. I see. I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> He's back, Ken Flo. Yeah. <laughs> He always had a pimp walk, so it doesn't really matter. Uh -huh. I mean, he's got he's got the cane now to to match. Oh, oh yeah, but I tell you what, man, it was tougher than I thought those first couple of days. I thought, holy, because I heard so many stories about people just bouncing out and just walking around. I was like, this is that can't be possible. But uh -huh. um, whatever, I think people pick up their stories two weeks after the surgery, and that's what they they right. tell you. So if you yeah. ever ever want to know how a hip surgery goes, don't ask me. 
how the first week is ask my wife because I'll probably start bullshitting too. But the yeah. people around the people around me, Kenny, they'll tell you the freaking truth. What a freaking oh. crybaby and the bullshit that they had to go through just to get me to this point is I my family, I can't thank them enough, man. My two daughters came in from the city and stayed the whole, you know, they just they're just leaving today. So I had around the clock uh care, which was no, great. That's amazing. <laughs> Not a casual yeah. surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, your wife is overdue to come on the podcast. So now you you gave me a line of questioning. So that's good. Real quick, are you on a phone <laughs> or a computer today, right? No, I'm on the I'm on a shitty phone. All right, so you're gonna get a new cell phone when yes. you uh when well, are you gonna go to Verizon with a cane or are you gonna when are we gonna do this? No, no, I'm going with a cane because now I this morning I woke up I had an invalid SIM card message on my phone. I'm like, this is fucking bullshit, man. I don't even, <laughs> you know, but you might as well tell me, you know, the car, the, your phone has a hernia. That would mean the same thing to me. You know what SIM I mean? card, <laughs> right. So I'm not even joking, a- okay? It's the same thing. See how he keep, he knows Kenny's going to be easier on him for this. A hundred, but Kenny, quite, first of all, Kenny's always easier on me than you. <laughs> so are you on a phone? You're on a phone and not a computer right now. Is that accurate? Yes. Yes, that's accurate. Is that a fresh cold brew today? You brew that at home and put it in the Starbucks yeah. cup or did somebody? Bring nah, they, ri- they ran out and got me a cold brew. Oh, the look at how excited the John, this guy is. The, the, import- fucking cold the, brew. the importance of family, John. That's all I can say. <laughs> Scott the importance of family. family. Gotta have it. Gotta have yeah. it. But uh, you know what's you know what's really sad? You're not gonna believe this. My phone is sitting on top of my computer right now. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I, I, ne- I never made it to the computer because I figured let's just I don't know. I can't explain nothing. I'm still del- I'm still loopy. Guy soaks his dentures in his leftover cold brew every night. Uh, All right. So so but yeah, like your shot is trash. Like this is a television show too, right? Yeah. Sun bleeding in. It looks like somebody spit on the camera lens. <laughs> you sound good, but the shot is trash. <laughs> Nobody wants to see me anyway. It's his halo. Thankfully, it's my halo. Come on. This is the name. Thankfully, the executives at the DraftKings Network have not complained about your shot, but. I'm right, just gonna, for the record, it's trash. You know, Minutemen. You know, so for you know, yeah, for the for the hundredth time, I'm I, prom- I, I promise I'm gonna fix it. <laughs> and he'll call me later today, and I'm so sorry, man. You know, no, no, fine. it sucks. So I, but dude, this shit kills me more than you think, though. No, right? well, at least and, you sound good. Audio yeah. is king. That is priority number one. As I said to you off the air, right? We'd rather do a phoner, you know, than than not have you. So it's very good to have you. And man, if there haven't been a lot of headlines involving your high profile fighters since we were last on the air, it's just crazy. I'm just going to start with Weidman and then Kenny can get into all the Aljo Marab stuff. If you so choose. But, um, so it does look like there's a small fracture in the left leg for Chris Weidman. The right Right. one was the one that suffered the severe injury, but your guy seems hell bent on coming back either way. And it seems like this is just going to be a quick recovery to your point. You, we're very convicted in your belief that none of the ligaments were compromised, and it appears that that's the case. So I think overall, uh, a leg fracture, but good news for your guy. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was convicted because I was with him. Nobody examined him. And then all of a sudden, he's got a torn ACL and MC. I mean, people just fucking bullshit. I mean, it's, it is amazing. I mean, 
how, how do you make that determination? Seriously, okay? Nobody, I'm telling you, they, they put ice on. The, but you, I remember we said it. You said it was the other leg. I said, no, the ice was on the right leg. I mean, I was standing right there. And then with right. the ligaments, he's like, he, he actually told me that they, I had the, my ligaments aren't torn. You know, so whatever. I'm glad that worked out for him because the fracture actually is nothing. Um, so especially to him, etching that Kenny, a fracture is nothing. It's a mere flesh. <laughs> yeah, that guy. It's only a that guy it's not a you're not even going to convince him anything's wrong. But uh, yeah, he's got some decisions to make. I, I think he wants to go out on a win. Uh, I, I think I'd like to see them set up one last fight uh, that's fair, and then that's it. If it. And then it's over. You know what I mean? Just go out. I think he deserves it. You know, he beat the greatest of all times twice. And, uh, you know, I think he was a company man. You know, the Machida fight was great. The Belfort fight. He had some really good fights. Came around at the right time to thrown the guy before he started to slip. That guy was on top of the world when Weidman got rid of him. And then you saw him flounder after that. But uh, so I think that's a Hall of Famer, you know, for sure. And uh, I, I hope they treat him like one. And... I think that'll make him happy. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I, well, you know, obviously, Marab and Aljo have made a lot of news lately in their relationship because of what Dana said. And, you know, there's a lot to this, right? Because yes, yeah. generally speaking, this is an individual sport. We're all trying to be yes, champions. Yeah. But it is, it is the fight game. And we learn so much from the people that are around us, not only from our coaches, but from our sparring partners, who oftentimes we become – so close to and we wouldn't be able to get to a certain level without them right whether it's them helping us with weight cuts with sparring with technical advice with video breakouts all the stuff that goes into it when you have a tight training partner um what were your thoughts on what dana said and i don't know how, how do you think that affects the relationship if at all between marab and aljo uh, I could tell you it's not going to affect the relationship at all. But again, man, I, there's a lot to unpack here. Man. I don't, and, I don't, and at the sake of really going off a little bit, I want to keep it simple. But uh, first off, Marab will fight O'Malley in December. What, where, where's that fight? Like you, everybody's talking, but and, and Aljo wants him to fight. You heard him, what he said. It'll be great for Georgia. It'll be great for Marab. I, I, like, again, they're making more out of this than it is. Nobody said, why is Marab not fighting O'Malley in December? He will 100% take that fight. Why is that not happening? I have no counter argument. He's the, he's the number is one contender. Because, but is it because Aljo would get the rematch before Marab gets the fight? What, no, because, is that what they're but, talking about? Or they're talking no, because, about uh, Cheeto instead? Well, because Aljo doesn't want to fight in December. Okay. You see what I'm saying? He's, he's saying yep. he's not fighting until 24, and, and O'Malley wants to fight in December, so let him fight Marab. I mean, I yep. think that's a simple solution, and then we'll figure it out after that. You know, maybe then that, that forces Aljo back up to 45, or maybe he takes the rematch with O'Malley without a title shot. I mean, there's a million. I don't view it as a problem, but give Marab the title shot. You want to talk about the guy but you've never offered the guy a title shot. You just all you offer him is, do you want to fight your friend? Let him fight O'Malley. Yeah, Kenny, Marab's the number one contender, and I do think it stands to reason if Sean O'Malley fights Marab Dwalis Willie in December, that Marab is maybe a slight favorite. And I could be wrong. 
And I think if Sean O'Malley defends against Marlon Cheeto Vera, Sean O'Malley, despite a loss against Cheeto previous, is probably a two to one favorite against Marlon Cheeto Vera. So not that the odds making lens is the only lens through which to look at this, but clearly on paper, Kenny, the Cheeto Vera fight is more winnable for Sean O'Malley than the Marab fight. Stylistically, Kenny, do you see it that way or no? Yeah, I think both fights can be tough, right? But um, yeah, Marab's going to be a problem for any striker out there just because his ability to repeatedly, without fail, and uh, without any lack of, um, you know, getting tired, he's going to get to your legs in some way, shape, or form. And he's going to try to continue to do that. And if he gets on top of you, you're in big trouble. He's going to be a handful for you. So yeah, no, I think that would be accurate. You know, just based on his style alone, I I think he would be more of a challenge for Sean, but perhaps that's where that is coming from. Ray, one thing you and I talked about off the air, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, listen, if I'm the UFC, let Marab fight. You you think O'Malley's a superstar, which he is. Uh, Let him fight Marab. He beats Marab. Think of the setup that, think of the money fight with Aljo after that would be. Oh, I mean, if that's what you want, I mean, take a fucking shot. But the talking is just, I don't, I don't know where it's coming from. I really don't. No one's offered the guy a title shot. He wants to fight O'Malley's, but he's been calling for O'Malley since Moscow. I'm not even joking. He called out yeah. O'Malley in Moscow. How many years ago that was? 2019, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Make the fight. He's the number one contender. Winner gets so, the belt and the jacket. Well, and I have no yeah, horse in this it? race like Ray, right? I mean, let's be clear. Kenny and I have far closer personal relationships with Marlon Cheeto Vera than we do with Marab. Now, I love Marab, right. obviously. Yeah, my yeah, connection yeah. Longo's brought us closer. But Marab, after the loss to Ricky Simone, which we don't even need to get into, right? Yes. He was 7-4. and four. He's now 16-4 and four with nine consecutive wins over the last five years, he has vaulted to become the number one contender. To me, it's a really simple equation right now with respect to the Ecuadorian. And Ray and I, one thing we talked about off the air was this whole Georgian contingent and Marab's perceived following. How do we quantify Marlon Vera's ability to move the needle as an opponent for Sean O'Malley in a rematch, right? Cheeto has a huge yeah. following. We know that, but Dude, there are a lot of things that Marab brings to the table as well that I don't think we're necessarily quantifying. So uh, I'd like to see the, the rightful number one contender get the shot, objectively. I think I think it's simple. December, they fight, and then take it from there. But you want to keep right. talking about the relationship. I, I Look, I, I don't know. They're not going to fight each other. And uh, Marab will do construction. That's the type of guy he is. you know. But it is – I do – and again, with all of this, I understand from a promotional standpoint – how this could be frustrated, but work around it. There's a million fights to make. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot of great fights to make. I don't, it doesn't, you know, but if it's not the way, you know, like, again, it's more like a control thing. You're going to do what I say. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's where I'm, uh, I'm feeling this is coming from for no reason. You're picking on one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the world. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, Marab's going to be a happy camper. You, this thing stops tomorrow. He's got million friends. Other people, I don't care how much money you have. See how many friends you have at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know where everything is coming from, but 
you got a, a really good kid, man. Let him fight. He wants to fight, and he'll fight anybody. So what? So he doesn't care if he fights for the title? Like, if you're not here, if you're not here to, to see who the best is, well, there's about 800 guys on the roster that I could tell you right now, they ain't nowhere near the best, and they're never going to be the best. You know what I mean? Like, there's a certain select amount of guys that that applies yeah. to, right? I mean, like, yep. I don't know. Look at half of the fights yesterday. I mean, well, I think and as, as we've as, said, as we've said repeatedly on here, there is a select group of champion that seems to be able to call their shot. And while I think that plays into this to some degree, thankfully, I guess if you do want to make Cheeto O'Malley, Corey Sandhagen is injured and on the men because he would get in the way of right. all of that with a recent yes. head win over Marlon Cheeto Vera. So um, yeah. we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Can I move on? Yeah, let's do it. Wait, can, I right. first say, can I first say something, man? Cyril gone, man. I got to tell you, I love watching this guy fight. I, I, I mean, there's a couple of things. That Kenny, first off, as usual, spot on with everything. But, you know, even with Spivak, I mean, uh, you, you do have to do something. But he made that look, like, so fucking easy at that level that in that aspect. I mean, and then you have the other side of that. That's how fucking good John Jones is. He moves up, right. he takes the guy that, you know, you got to look at that too. Like there's nothing stopping that from happening again right now, in my opinion. And that's the crazy part. But I'll tell you what, standing up boys, I love watching this guy fight. There's something different too. It's like Izzy's unbelievable. He's fantastic. But there's a, there's that, you know, that little hyper, this guy looks like he's, ordering a bologna sandwich and he's fighting. Like he looks like, dude, it is like on, but you know, you got a high level guy in front of you. The guy doesn't even know what to do. And the reason why he doesn't, because every time he goes to do something, he gets interrupted and then the frustration sets in. And then this is what you see. And even some of the punches that Gon started through, I think he karate chopped him at one point, right? Kenny he fucking, yeah. he Very threw like easy. a what? Yeah, crazy. I mean, you like, you don't see a whole lot of heavyweights move like that. Like, it, it's almost sliding it, and gliding and loose. It just very I mean, pretty. It, <laughs> it, it looked like like a bully beatdown type of deal. You know yeah. what I mean? Where he was so outclassed that this guy. I tell you, I, I love watching him fight. I, I yeah. just love the the nonchalantness and his ability to control everything is is freaking phenomenal. You know, but again. That nonchalantness could also be what hurts him in the grappling department because that's an area where you have to get code red real quick. And, yeah. I, I, you know, I, that's that's the way I'm looking at it. Well, and I think that John Jones experience is going to just be hugely beneficial in terms of having that code red urgency when it comes to the grappling. But I think you absolutely nailed it, right? Bologna sandwich, nonchalant, right? Almost yeah. as if he's like looking over the corner at the end of round one, like, Hey, we could probably move that after party up an hour. We're going to get this guy out of here soon. Just going to go finish this. I mean, truly look like he was having a sparring session. And uh, yes. Yeah, levels, levels. And John, as an opponent, how do you think that makes that guy feel? Like, he's like, I don't even know. I'm getting hit. And well, this right. guy looks like he's he's laughing at me. I mean, it was I was I, I really enjoy watching that guy fight. You know, I, I hope he clears up the wrestling stuff. Whatever got him to the kickboxing, put the same amount of love and effort into the wrestling, and that guy's going to be a major problem. Cyril Gan, Sergey Pavlovich, Tom Aspinall, three heavyweight Ooh. problems, all unique in their own right and all 
chasing presumably the winner of John Jones and Stipe Miocic, both of whom could potentially retire after after they meet in November, and Pavlovich will be the backup. All right, I got to ask you about Benoit Saint-Denis over Thiago Moises. The TKO comes mercifully at 444 of round two. This guy is incredible, just absolutely incredible. If you know the backstory, you know, he was essentially a Navy SEAL in France. Memorable UFC debut on short notice against Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos. Some people feel like it's as close to, you know, witnessing a death in the octagon as we've seen. And now he is just destroying increasingly high-level fighters at 155 pounds. Ken Flo, you fought for this belt a couple times. I'll start with you on Benoit Saint-Denis. Uh, you know, I know I get a little bit too excited too early sometimes, but uh, Chip's in the center of the table on this kid for me. I love it, man. He's a destroyer. He wants to go out there and break things. He, he, he brings uh-huh. the fight to you. Uh, and he has a very exciting style because of it. You know, Moises is a very good fighter in his own right. He has improved his striking tremendously. But I think what got me to pick Saint-Denis was the fact that I think the pressure would be overwhelming, and I think that's what happened. It's not that he's doing anything on a technical level. You're like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen that before. But his pressure, his pacing, you know, similar to a Justin Gaethje or Tony Ferguson in his prime where they are so in your face, you can't handle it. There's nothing you could do to really get those guys away from you. They keep coming no matter whatever you do. And Santini is that guy. And I think there was this overwhelming force that uh, Moises just didn't know how to deal with it. So um, I, I look forward to seeing more of him. You know, I, I don't know if he can be a, you know, top five, top 10 guy in that insane division, but he is going to make it entertaining. And just based on his pressure and pacing alone, he really can be a problem for a lot of people. No question about that. Yeah, I, I absolutely love the fight. Uh, now with the backstory, even love him more, but it's not <coughs> – He's not not technical with his pressure. He's pretty technical. Right, He's right, throwing right. straight sure, punches. Sure, sure, so yeah. it's not like, you know, those guys that are just bum rushing you, swinging like lunatics. This guy's calculated pressure. And, man, this, he, it's, he's on a seek and destroy mission. I mean, oh. I thought he ran through that guy like nobody else ever has and just methodically, like Kenny said, just broke him down. That Because it's not it's – not, he's throwing with pressure. Like, I think he understands – uh, you know, I think he understands his range look good. Uh, he, he, he did a lot of really good things in that fight, but just back to what his special forces attitude, because just because you're a special forces guy doesn't mean you could cage fight. You know what I mean? But when you could fight and you're bringing that mentality with you, I think that's a huge thing, man. And this, this guy, I, I love it. I, I just, you could see, I, uh, he, he's, he, I think like, I agree with Kenny. I don't know where the ceiling would be for him. But he's never going to be an easy out for anybody. Yeah. You said seek and destroy, which is probably the perfect nickname for him. I mean, they call him the god of war. We do have yeah. Deus de Geha, but seek and destroy. And it actually goes with his Saint-Denis with the S and the D, right, Benoit? Seek and destroy Saint-Denis. It's fucking perfect. I like it. I love it. Love it. But yes, you have this French special forces operative like a transformer fucking stalking you and moving yeah. at you. I don't know. 
this was incredible for me to watch. I don't know if I was maybe not sober or whatever, but I'm just like, I'm telling everybody who I was watching with, which was just my daughter. And, like, I'm uh, telling them, this Frenchman's going to be what, champion. What were the odds on that fight? Minus 135, Benoit Saint-Denis, the favorite. Okay, so they did have him the favorite. Jeez, I'm, I'm excited for his next fight. And I think that's all you want from uh, people. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if it isn't Matt the Steamroller Frivola, the number 14 ranked lightweight in the world. If I were you guys, I would maybe steer clear of the Frenchman. No, I'm just kidding. Humming, 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 humming. What? What? What are you talking about? I'm imagine, just saying. Imagine those two guys swinging. <laughs> Frivola was incredible. Yeah, Frivola was incredible. Sean Shelby's not listening. No, we'll see what happens. But I do believe as I look at the top 15 in the UFC's lightweight division, there are guys that Santini has a great chance to beat. Just saying. Yeah. Hey, this team ain't uh, running from nobody. I don't know if if you noticed that yet, but yeah, bring it on. Thankfully, you guys can. uh, Remember, I tell you, even with Frivola. Yeah, I'm listening. I was going to say, you know, who was the. uh, uh, Who's the guy? Who's the guy? He fought on one day's this in uh, Abu Dhabi. Arman Sarukian. Saruk. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like he he navigated the waters pretty good with him and that kid. Yeah, I'd like to see Sarukian against uh, you know, against the uh, seek and destroy guy. I'd Come love to see that fight. Yeah, of course you would. Of course, you yeah, would. baby. Of course you would. <laughs> I'm gonna tell Sean. But Shelby, do you see Matt how easy it is? But, but, but yeah. But you see how easy it is as a matchmaker, how you can maneuver things and get guys to certain spots and have them avoid. Of course. It's a joke. Absolutely. Yeah. You send somebody in all black with a pistol to Al Joe's house and say, hey, you're going to fight Sean O'Malley on August 19th, aren't you? Just kidding. All right. Yeah. A hundred percent. So we have a new Uh, segment on the show called the Minute Man of the Week. You're going to give out your performer of the week. So you could go Benoit Saint-Denis, you could go Seattle God, you could get Volkanus Demir, whom we will get to. But as you marinate on the Minuteman of the week, Anakin Florian podcast poll question at Anakin Florian pod, understanding that Seattle God broke through and became an interim UFC champion. Who is France's best chance to become the UFC's first homegrown undisputed champion out of France? Manon Fior, Benoit Santini or Cito Gan. There are others out there, of course. William Gomez, Nasordini Mavov. I'm not sure he was born there. Maybe he was. But I thought it was interesting. 38.5% of people believe it will be Manon Fior. 28.4% of you thought Cito Gan. 33.5% of you said Benoit Santini. And if that isn't recency bias, I don't know what is. But obviously, a lot of the fan base that was heard from there shares my intrigue for. Benoit, seek and destroy Saint-Denis. But I do yeah, think that's I'm, interesting. I'm, I mean, York, it could be a shorter path. Yeah, I'm going with Cyril Gan on that one. I, I like, uh, uh, how do you pronounce her name? Pure. What's the girl's name? Pure. 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 I, 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 I like her, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not seeing the X factor. She's, I mean, that fight was, look, the fight with Rose was, she 100% won the fight. I, I, I actually gave her every round, but, um, but it was competitive, you know, and that's a little girl coming up to 25. I don't, uh, she did, the Chuk fight was pretty close too, if I'm not mistaken, right? Wasn't that a... Yep, yes it was. That was a competitive fight. So she's not like 
Cyril Ghan is blowing people away. You know, uh, the other guy, Seek and Destroy, he's he's doing the same thing. I think they have the X Factor for different reasons. You know, one guy with unbelievable intensity, heart and design. The other guy just with comfortability and relaxation. But uh, I'm not seeing yeah. it with, with her yet, but we'll see what happens. She's still got a, a couple of fights to go. I, don't, I think the Blanchfield fight would be a horrible matchup for her, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. I think Blanchfield. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with that. Go ahead. You just think. Yeah, I just think Blanchfield with the wrestling. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the difference. It looks like she's not afraid to stand up and take the punches, and and that girl doesn't look like a super hard puncher. You know, she's uh, she's you know she's got the sidekick, she's got the volume going, but nothing standing out like. Who's the girl that just fought? um, Blanchfield, uh, huge power. Yeah. 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 I mean, she could throw, you know what I mean? So yeah, go ahead. So I just want to get Kenny's thoughts in terms of who might become France's first homegrown undisputed champion, because I think even though Seattle gone got the least amount of our vote, I think he's probably the right answer, not just based upon what we saw Saturday night, but based upon how close he is right now, certainly there are difficult names there, but it seems like some of those heavyweights, Jones and Stipe, might be on the way out. Kenny, if you were forced to decide, I'm an all pure Cyril Ghana, Benoit Saint-Denis. I mean, Saint-Denis not even ranked. The other two are top contenders. Yeah. Who do you think becomes France's first undisputed champion, or maybe is it none of the above? Yeah, Saint-Denis, uh, or Saint-Finis, as I call him. Um, I, I think, you know, I want to see more from him as against higher-level competition. I think we've seen that from Manuel, Manuel Fior now. Cyril Gaon, of course, has faced some high-level competition. So out of those guys, I don't know. I, I think Cyril Gaon probably has the best chance just based on the fact that, and, and, and you alluded to it, I, I think Stipe and John Jones are probably on the way out. Um, I, I would yeah. not see him getting past... John Jones at this stage of the game, again, just based on John Jones's reach and his ability to take people down. Um, but after that, I mean, who really do I see as a threat to Cyril Gunn? Yeah. Only Cyril Gunn himself, man. Ray, who's the Minute Man yes. of the Week for you? Who's the Minute Man of the Week? I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, Nikki LaMangia. He's a good friend of mine, but, man, the guy's sending me Harry and David packages every day. Uh, oh, wow. just a great guy. So I don't know. He, he gets my award this week. Uh, he also has a podcast, the, the a game podcast. Great guy. I, I, I'm sure your brother met him in, uh, Boston, but I'm not sure of that. So I'm just realizing Kenny that I dropped the ball on something. So, um, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but as we were taping the podcast last week, you know, Kenny knew that he and his wife, Clark, were going to have to put their dog, Lucy, down after the shoe. Oof. And they rescued this dog in Southern California. And I'm not trying to make Kenfo all emotional. But yeah. I sent my guy, Kenfo, a Boston coffee cake because he's he my sure guy. Did. Ray got his whole leg surgically repaired. And I didn't send him anything. <laughs> <laughs> you need a dog to die, Ray. You didn't have that. Uh, let me tell you something. His, his leg didn't uh, die. You know, you know, what, you know, Kenny, I'll tell you this. I'm going to be, I'll be honest with you. As a dog owner, I get yeah. it. <laughs> I get it. There's oh, nothing man. even, there's nothing even wrong. There's, I, I'm, I'm, my dog now is 13 or 14, man. It's, uh, ooh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's, you that's know a, what's that's happening. A tough it's, it's so tough to say goodbye, man. You know, my my wife gets yeah. 
so attached to the diet. As, as she should. Absolutely. As and we as all everybody do. should. Lucy's yeah. been an amazing dog or was an amazing yeah. dog for us. So it was yeah. tough. But John, thank you again, man, for sending that. Did yeah. This guy, John, uh, whether it's showing anything that has happened that has been tough, John is always there. This this guy is an amazing <laughs> friend. So uh, I, I really appreciate that, man. Thank you, John. I wish I, I wish I could say the same because I'm sitting here huh. on crutches. He didn't even send you, you any know. drugs? I mean, this is the ridiculous. Fuck is- the fucking dog got treated better than me. I mean, I mean, I, and my heart goes out to you, Kenny, but I mean, I had my fucking femur bone sword in half. This sucker couldn't give a shit. He got me on the podcast and fucking, I don't know, whatever. This is rotten. Rotten. I know. I've been, poor, I I've, been, I've been calling but, uh, you every day, but I do need, we are going to send yeah. you something. And, and, that, and, is, that is an oversight. Yeah, hold on. By me. And Kenny, I'm not, I'm not sure he sent that to you. Just so yeah. he can say it in front of me, because he knows I didn't send you jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessary. That's hilarious. Actually, I had no intention of bringing it up. As such, I brought I brought it up so late in the show. But no, it just dawned on me that you had surgery, and I haven't sent you anything yet. Being the operative word, because we are going to send you something in the mail. But very nice that your other buddy is the minute man of the week. <laughs> I was looking for maybe like Seattle Gone or or Anthony Delemi or an actual fighter. Uh, oh man, I'll tell you what. The let me wait, let me let me throw Delemi in there too, because I tell you, his win did make me feel very good while I was sitting here watching the TV. So um yesterday was like the, the last two days of the first days I even gave a shit about watching TV. I was a it's like a little baby, you know. But yeah, you were uh everything's good. now you're back. No, I was a no, I was a fucking I was a big bitch. I wasn't a little bitch. Yeah. I was like <laughs> the fuck is going on i thought i'd be running through this shit and i was you know you try to do everything right diet wise and not the, yeah. but you know i was always working out and i was like me I, I have to be able to get through this quicker than i'm getting through it but i i, I get it now you know i mean everybody says i'm ahead of schedule but you know what is kenny when you're active like i was trying to tell john i went from nashville to vegas you know for the contender series Flew home the next day, got in the car, drove to fucking Boston. You know, I, my life went from like 150 miles yeah, an hour dude. down to down to three. Like, and you're just sitting here like, what am I doing? Like, I can't do anything. You know, you can't put your socks on. That's you can't. The worst it, it's, That's the worst. Yeah, no, and I, I never depended on anybody for anything. So to me, I'm not that guy. I don't want to bother people. I don't want to. It just, yeah. I came to a grinding halt that I, that I didn't think was going to happen. You know, I think I thought my recovery was going to be out in a lounge chair in the sun. I can't get on the couch. It's too low. You know, you can't put your hip in this position. You can't do that. No. So I don't know. It, it was a little different that way. So once I adjusted to that mentally, I'm, I'm good to go. Like I, I probably like, you know, like again, the, the, I haven't used that that walker in five days. So I'm on the cane and I, I probably walk without the cane, but I'll prove if anything, I can go. Cause I, I'm, I'm coming out of skin over here, man. Well, this is like COVID like you're trapped. Well, your energy is back. Yeah. I can't wait to see you just walking around with that, uh, pimp cane. Uh-oh. As Cody says in perpetuity. Yeah. Hey, before your no, audio before your audio goes completely in the fucking trash can, and there he goes. So 
I was going to ask him about uh, Aljamain Sterling, arguably the best weight cutter in MMA. His brother Troy Sterling missed weight, I believe, and his CFFC yeah. fight did not happen. I was going to ask him about that, but that's going to do it because we're going to get on out of here. The one thing I just want to say in close on the Gantz-Bivak fight card, Volkan Uzdemir, man, like as I tell my kids all the time, hard work, dedication. It sounds very Floyd Mayweather, but it's the foundation of any – person's success for the most part right and here he is 13th ufc fight a lot of people fancied this bogdan guskov a guy who's going to come in and knock his head off and bogdan did land a big shot early but uzdemir continuing to round out his game gets it done by rear naked choke his seventh ufc win and even though he's been a little bit up and down had the big losing streak after the daniel cormier title fight just wanted to shout out Volkan uzdemir switzerland by the way is the one country i think that my wife really wants to go to but I just feel like this guy has worked hard, put in the right work, and, you know, nice to see him get his seventh UFC win and just wanted to acknowledge him. Couldn't agree more, man. Uh, uh, listen, I, I think rounding out your game like that and having your ground game now be a weapon uh, is pretty impressive, man. He has come such a long way, showed a lot of yeah. toughness in that in that fight. That other guy, Guskov, is very, very dangerous. Whether the storm came back, found a way to win, and he did it on the ground. Awesome stuff. All right, good news, bad news. Bad news is we're done for today. Good news is we will be back in like 48 hours with a significantly longer show, actually. Our UFC 293 preview, Severe MMA's Sean Sheehan scheduled to join us. A lot of good stuff with him coming up on Conor McGregor and Ian Machado-Gary aligning in Dublin, Ireland. We will also get seven predictions from Ken Flo and Brian Petrie for UFC 293. I am wheels up to Sydney, Australia. I'll see you for the press conference from there on Thursday. And, of course, a lot of content coming your way in advance of the pay-per-view Saturday night. One more sleep. Sydney designs are out at millions.co. The Anacorian Podcast merch can be found at anacorianpodcast.com. Several new designs coming down the pike in the not-too-distant future. Also, don't forget Kenny Florian, martialarts.com, and Argus Integrated Defense as well. And we'll see later in the week if Ken Flo is back in the champ, the last style bender for the American Sean Strickland. Plenty more on 293 coming up in a few days. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, for watching. We will talk to you on Thursday, if not sooner. For Ken Flo and John Ack, until then, you'll let I'm a start a verse, I break at least three commandments Kinda like Pluto because I never plan it I'm outlandish in the way they make the patches look Like they own ranches, it's the art of war Your blood's the only color on the canvas And I don't mean it like a thug sense of how you can get God Fuck being gangsta, I'm hip-hop You got it every time you walk in the label The a and are nodded Immune to your shit cause I circle, circle, dot, dotted Body heat is intoxicated, got a beat, I don't gotta speak Copacy start to think psychically, make the speakers speak elitistly Off the high horse, make an ass of the views Your DJ must not know the alphabet for getting his cues My favorite DJ got the Six extra L's to abuse Esoteric John P And I'm the new kid at school I'm Raider Ellis Nice to meet you Show busting my styles Egocentric Ego tripping with Frequent fly smiles DJ wants to get at the bird He gets at the bird And bird Takes the shot He's Now's a good time to remember Where the story of tequila started In 1795 The first tequila distillery Was opened by the Cuervo family And 229 years later Cuervo is still going strong Family-owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.